And welcome to the March 16th, 2007 edition of The Relevant Podcast. I'm going to dub this one the Cameron Strang Birthday Edition. And I'm going to play the music I want to play because of it. Thanks for my birthday. I get to do whatever the heck I want. You can cry if you want to. (laughs) I'll just sniffle. How's that? Uh, You're listening to Of Montreal. The song is Cato as a pun. I like this album a lot. Anyway, the Relevant podcast is the audio companion to Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com. I'm Cameron Strang, and as always, here is the editorial crew, editorial director Kara Davis. Greetings. Managing editor Adam Smith. Hey, hey. And web content producer Jesse Carey. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, got a one up me. Yeah, you got, you got Thanks, outdid. You just got served. <laughs> uh, today on the podcast, we have author and speaker Dan Kimball joining us. I am very you know confused. what? We're just going to have a music break now. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this is the radio edit. Of course. Only buy the clean stuff. Oh. <laughs> Kara's getting down. <laughs> when I was a senior in high school, I knew every word to this thing. It's classic. He's been dead 10 years this month. Okay, coming out in theaters today, March 16th. If you want to go out and celebrate my birthday, here's some movie selections for you. We have Premonition with Sandra Bullock. I would not recommend celebrating my birthday by seeing Premonition. Yeah, you need to think, what would Cameron see? <laughs> there you go. Uh, Dead Silence with Donnie Wahlberg and others. <laughs> yeah, Hor- this looks, horror movie, so I'm guessing yeah, no. It looks That's so no scary. That's no good. Ridiculously scary. I, th- I think I Love My Wife starring Chris Rock. Huh. Mm. You may want to go for a movie that came out last week. Yeah. What would Cameron do? Go see a show or just stay home? Yeah. That's true. Just sit at home, rent a good one. Mm-hmm. What, what's your recommendation? Over. What's the Cameron recommendation? I'm going to go Royal Tenenbaums. You could rent that. Uh, you could rent Rushmore. You could do a Wes Anderson weekend. Yeah. Celebrate my birthday with and, Wes Anderson. And Cameron will be there with you in spirit. Bottle Rocket. That's my favorite Wes Anderson. Now, okay, uh, if we're talking about it, celebrating my birthday over the weekend, what you're going to do is Friday night, you're going to have a Wes Anderson marathon, okay? okay? You're going to sleep in on Saturday, but Saturday good, afternoon, good. you have to start the Christopher Guest Marathon, and you have to see all of them in order. You can start with Spinal Tap, though you don't have to, because it's an optional one. Yeah, because that's technically Rob Ryan. Right, exactly. But... If it wasn't for Spinal Tap. Hey, 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 I'm talking about precursors here. I'm talking and, about Christopher Guest here. And yeah, Spinal Tap is the funniest. No. It's, it's, no. Yeah. it's Waiting Cameron's, for Guffman. Yes. It's my birthday. It's Cameron's birthday. He okay. got to choose. Waiting for Guffman has to be the pinnacle of your Cameron birthday weekend. Okay. So that yeah. has to be right when, in the apex, right in the middle. Jesse went to your birthday. Whatever Christopher Guest movie you want to be funniest can be funniest. <laughs> but it has to start with the W. <laughs> I'm a Spinal Tap guy myself. I tend to think that Christopher Guest movies, it's whichever one you saw first is the one that really like sticks with you and is like your favorite. And for me, that was Spinal Tap. It's a good so. theory. It is I, a good theory. I, I saw them all out of order, and Spinal Tap, I think, was still my favorite. Well, Which one did anomaly. you see first? I, honestly, I probably saw Guffman, and then I saw Best in Show, and then Spinal Tap. I, what I about was Mighty Wind? You're wrong. Huh? <laughs> what about a Mighty Wind? Uh, I, somewhere... 
along the line I saw it and I still haven't seen for your consideration, consideration you haven't now I was at the don't. video store don't. the other day it, it don't I saw it last weekend yeah but she would have told me then it's <laughs> a lot well Jim from the office is on it and Ricky yes. Gervais yeah yeah I hear is he a Fairly briefly, yeah, yeah, it's a cameo. See, I saw Fred Willer's Fohawk in the trailer, and I was oh, like, "Oh, this is going to be good." No. I mean, it, it was good seeing everybody, but it was just too right. much. It's like a class reunion after people have run out of stuff to talk about. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're glad to see everyone, but yeah. Yeah. we really don't you have anything kind of, in common. Yeah, anymore. you keep kind of checking your watch. Yeah. Yeah. Remember the good old days type deal? One yeah. of those deals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you've already talked through the good yeah, old exactly. days, and yeah. then what? Yeah. And and there's no open bar this year, uh, yeah. so like you're just kind of like, when is this going to be over? You're very aware yeah. of how boring it is mm-hmm. see I was at the video store and I saw it but I ended up going on the uh, getting the illusionist because I've kind of been on a magic kick good, lately magic is the next big trend <laughs> according to relevant magic yeah. <laughs> let's just say some guys at work here have discovered a magic shop mm-hmm. and have phenomenal I don't I don't say that I is it next to pipe dreams too yes <laughs> at downtown Disney oh oh that one's no. been there for 20 years well I don't say that I spent a lot of money there I say that I invested <laughs> money there because really these tricks will pay for themselves in a matter of time when, I, when my wife and I were in Las Vegas last year I for your also, birthday no we were in New York for my birthday <laughs> last year uh, I also invested in quite a bit of magic and you know the, where they have to take you behind the curtain and teach you the trick that's what you're paying for you're kidding no 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 you don't no, no, buy no, just a box true. no 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 you there's a menu of actual tricks and they will take you into a private room Illusions. and teach you the trick that is amazing and that's what you Illusion. Illusion. <laughs> sorry uh, there that's were three cool. different magic shops that I ended up stopping in and spending way too much yeah, money well, in magic isn't cheap and, and so I come back and I'm like I have all this top of the line Las Vegas magic gear yeah. and I am going to blow people's minds <laughs> I haven't even like opened the boxes well See, bring it in let's have some yeah, illusions because I don't know where it is I've been practicing a lot and I had Derek um, we, he was one of the guys that went with me one night because I've been several times, <laughs> and he ended up because they perform the tricks. Right, that's for what you. you're paying, and you're like, wow, illusions. I gotta see that. I gotta know how this is done, and own he it. just thinks he, it's a show. He keeps going back. Yeah, <laughs> for the show. No, I I fought things. Can't believe I they don't charge for this. But anyway, so Derek buys it's an it's an old trick. It's called the Scotch and Soda, where it's uh, a gold coin and a silver coin. Basically, long and short of it is they put them in your hand. You you close your hand when you open it. There's no longer a gold and silver. There is a silver and a quarter. Pretty amazing, right? It'll so, blow your mind. It's pretty mind-blowing. Ask Derek to show it to you. But anyway, we're, we're, we went to the movies one night, and it was just me and Derek. And after, we ended up going by Starbucks, and he had the Spend coins. a lot of time with Derek. <laughs> <laughs> he had the coins with him. And uh, I was like, Derek, here's the opportunity, my friend. Because the barista was a female. Kind of David Blaine style, man on the street. Yeah, exactly. The barista, you know, Eric, uh, Eric, Derek ordered his drink. And when she went to go, I saw her kind of giving him the eye. And she was like, I'm sorry. I accidentally made this. What's up for a tall? Is that bigger than a grande? No, a grande is bigger than a tall. What's the biggest? Venti. Venti. She's like, I'm sorry. I know you ordered a grande, but I accidentally made a venti. A wink. Yeah, and I was like, Derek, and he, I didn't have to say, so, so Derek sees the opportunity, pulled out the, pulled out the coin trick, 
And oh, she, she oh, saw, oh, no. so, so the priest is flirting with him and he oh, says, no. I'm going to impress I, her. I, I know what she'll like. Dude, oh, magic. No. I, I was so pumped because finally, because oh, we've been no. practicing. Kara, as the only female in the room, is rolling oh, her no. eyes. Because I think this is a bad idea. And she's confirming it. <laughs> yes. well, that girls do not want a guy to do magic. Well, it's the most well, horrible okay. idea. I, wait till you hear how it ends. I, I do have to say, I do want to cut to this first. Is Derek seeing this woman still? <laughs> Not not since this night. Okay, we just um, given okay. Her a that's bar the summation. Yeah. But let's hear what led up to this. Well, other than he decided well, to show her. A you got to understand too that me and Derek have been practicing these tricks <laughs> regularly on, in Jesse. in in the hope for the opportunity that we'll have an audience. <laughs> no, this is true. <laughs> so 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 she starts to walk away, and Derek goes, "Excuse me," and she turns around like, "Okay, I gave you the venti," you know. He's like, do you like magic? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. no. She gets really excited. It's like, I love magic. So Derek pulls out the coin trick, and we've practiced together several times, so I know how the coins have to be placed in your hand in order for work. And, and obviously, they're trick coins, okay? So one of the coins is clearly, uh, you, you can put another coin in there. It's clearly rigged. But you're supposed to place it in such a way that the the person that you're doing the trick on never knows that, you know, and that the other coin just slides right in. Well, Derek is a little bit nervous, so he arranges them in his hands, and I can see that he's got them arranged wrong. Oh, no. And I know that he's going he's gonna to fumble the <laughs> trick. But what can I do? What can I do at this point? You see your teammates about to fumble. You go in and help. Yeah, yeah you but run how? over there how? and grab you the step ball yourself. Say, Pardon me, magician, yeah. wizard. But uh, don't you think you should have another look at those magic coins of yours? But it was too late. I got kind of like deer in the headlights, like, uh uh-oh, this is going to be really bad. And, you know, I'm comfortable playing wingman. You okay, know? what part of Derek doing magic tricks to impress a girl at Starbucks isn't? Yeah, oh no, this it is started really off. Bad. Yeah, well, yeah. as well, you walked that in, that was mistake number one. Yeah, he, he stumbled out of the gates. Yeah, I mean, so the fact that he had the magic coins on him, <laughs> you should have said, "Oh no, this before is he end had bad. been left the house, yeah. he was so, doomed." So how the trick works is. Um, we yeah. don't need to know. Well, well, one coin. You will be mysteriously killed if you yeah, share you, this. Yeah, you will be barred from the magician's alliance. Let's just so. put it this way. He put one coin under his Starbucks drinks, th- under his drink on uh-huh. the counter, that it was going to magically reappear later. And anyway, When he left. <laughs> so, It'll so, be the tip. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Not actual currency. So Derek what a walks great magic her, trick. <laughs> he walks her through the trick. And when she opens her hands, there's like, there was three coins, <laughs> and one of them it's was upside down, and it was clearly had a hole for another coin to, oh, to go into. No. That's sad. And you could see that they were all trick coins. <laughs> and she was really confused. Like, Ta-da. what? Yeah. I turned, I turned two into three. <laughs> yeah. That's the trick. And they're pretending. But coins. this one popped open. Yeah. <laughs> so. This one I, had a baby coin. Yeah. So the lesson here, kids, is do not use magic to impress girls at yeah. Starbucks. No, the lesson is practice, yeah. practice, practice. Well, I'll give you... Okay. Golly. Derek and Matt the other day made this statement. They, they started talking very cryptically about March Madness, right? And not basketball. Yeah, I was going to say, they don't know what that is. Right. And so I had to ask. I was like, what are you guys talking about? They're like, oh, we made the decision during the month of March, we are not going to pursue female relationships. And I was like, wow. Wait a second. Unless magic is involved. No, I was like, wait a second. 
you mean you have been to yeah, this point? That's <laughs> like that just makes me sad. This is a zero sum game. That's like me saying I'm not going to fly into space during March. You know, March right. madness. Yeah, madness. <laughs> okay, coming out in stores on Tuesday. <laughs> Golly, we haven't done that yet. LCD sound system with sound of silver. Awesome. Uh, Ted Leo and the Pharmacist with Living with the Living. Also awesome. Low with Drums and Guns. Awesome still. <laughs> Maylene and the Sons of Disaster with Two. Or I.I. <laughs> for, for those of you who don't read Roman numerals. Seventh Day Slumber with Finally Awake. And Joy Electric with the Otherly Opus slash The Memory of Alpha. Awesome. It's a slash. All right, that'll do it for your entertainment releases. Up next... Slices. I might just be getting nicer. You young boys ain't ready for real. 30s the new 20. I'm so high still. Let my pants sag. Not giving. Bay boy, now I'm all grown up. I used to cruise the used car lot. Put chrome on the truck. Bay boy, now I'm all grown up. I used to play the block like that. Like that. I used to carry knots like that. Like that. Now I got black cards, good credit and such. Bay boy, cause I'm all grown up. 30's the new 20 I'm on fire still Hey, it's like your birthday song Exactly, it's called 30 something Did you used to cruise the used car lot Looking to chrome out one of them? And now you've grown up? (laughs) No But 30 is the new 20 Yeah, that never stopped I agree, I really think you're right I think it's at the very least the new 25 Well, I've you know I hear it said all the time that forty is a new thirty. So logically, yeah, thirty would be thirty. I I totally agree. So twenty is the new ten. Eighty is new (laughs) seventy. Twenty strangely is actually the new nineteen. It's true. Mm -hmm. That's Jay Z with thirty something for for my birthday weekend. I think he wrote that just for you. (laughs) I think he wrote it for himself, trying to justify the fact that he's like thirty six and still rapping. In the liner notes, he gave you mad props. That is true. All right. Okay, so now with Slices, here's Kara Davis. Well, we mentioned the movies coming out this week, and I thought I'd tell you guys a bit about Chris Rock's new direction. His uh, Romantic fil- comedies? No. The, this, the film that's coming out, I Think I Love My Wife, is a remake of a 1972 French classic, Chloe in the Afternoon. Really? And he's serious and self-examining according to this article he's also funny in parts like this he's got personality mm-hmm. but it's supposed to be like a more serious role for him it, it's not a comedy it's made out to be like light-hearted romantic comedy kind of thing I, I think like the way it seems to be marketed is that it's a comedy but it's a comedy with some intelligence and some introspection L- like, kind of like about tank. a boy <laughs> like booty <laughs> I was thinking more like about a boy, you know, stuff like that. I was thinking more Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> those are good, too. <laughs> what, what day on the weekend do those come into play? <laughs> do Pootie Tang and Deuce Bigelow? Yeah. <laughs> That's Monday after you've gone back to work. You can leave them playing for your dog at the house. Oh, even even <laughs> still. Sorry, keep going, Garris. No, just the guy who co-wrote it with him. Uh, he said, I do think there are people that will go, why is Chris Rock doing that? He says, but actually it's a lot closer to who he is as a person and as an artist than any other film he's made before. People who are always expecting big Adam Sandler-like comedies out of him, they're barking up the wrong tree. That's not true to his voice. 
Yeah. So he feels like this is the first film that is mm-hmm. truly what he's wanting to make. Yeah, well, I mean, Adam Sandler isn't doing big Adam Sandler-like comedies that much Right, anymore. yeah, I know. Yeah. Neither is like, Jim Carrey. Or right. Yeah. All these funny men are moving on to more stuff. Which is okay, because... Because uh, they're 30 uh, now. How, yeah, however, <laughs> however, Adam Sandler and Jim Carrey both, I feel, have dramatic range and depth of character. Chris Rock is always Chris I'm, Rock. Well... Let's wait and see. I mean, he may be able to pull it off. You know, Adam Sandler, back around the time of, you know, Happy Gilmore, we would have said that about Adam, Adam Sandler. Yeah, he but never I saw would have thought the, he could make, like, a punch-drunk love. The one where he ran for president? It was awful. Right. Oh, All yeah, sure. Men. But, but he was trying to be, like, a, I mean, for real. He- head of state. Head of state. He said, um, he said, if I did head of state tomorrow, it would be more like All the President's Men. It would be that tone with jokes. Interesting. Mm. He said, whatever you do, if it's successful, you can do that again, he says, about being in the business. Hopefully people will say, oh, this is what he should have been doing all along. I have faith in him. I, I saw him on Inside the Actor Studio and thought, what is that man doing on Inside the <laughs> yeah. Actor Studio? Well, what could he tell a they class of actors yeah, yeah, the, about no, acting? It really has jumped the shark. I've seen a lot of crazy stuff. All it is is people promoting their latest movie now. Mm-hmm. It used to actually yeah. be sad. actors, actors, yeah. and now it's just... Chris Rock promoting I Think I Love My Wife. It it actually has become the Saturday Night Live satire of it. Like, it <laughs> yeah. really oh. is, like, Dustin Diamond and, like, well. you know, Matthew Lillard. Well, I, yeah. before it was at least actors, actors. Yeah. You know, people who really mm-hmm. did great characters. Right. But now, Chris Rock? Come yeah. on. He's not an actor's actor. The greatest film made by humans. Ever. <laughs> Thank Pootie you. Tang. Yeah. Star of such films as Pootie Tang. <laughs> Chris Rock, ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor, sir. There is a film that has fundamentally changed the way we look at existence. Did I tell you, that, tell you guys that for years I thought that guy was disabled? <laughs> Like, I thought he was like a wheelchair person. Just because he was always sitting? Yes. Yeah. I thought Here's he wasn't able to stand. The, the climax of the high point, the pinnacle of the Chris Rock inside the actor's studio was when he made a joke about James Lipton making all of his money in tea, and now he's <laughs> doing his little show. Now that he's made all his money in tea. Oh, because uh, his name is Lipton. Yeah. That was the extent of <laughs> that the That is wit. clever. <laughs> that is rich, Mr. Well, Rock. Well played, Mr. Rock. <laughs> well played indeed. He was good when he had when he was a prison warden on Arrested Development. Yes, he was. He was fantastic. <laughs> like it, it, you know, he was making fun of himself. Yeah. I could appreciate that James Lipton could do the that. new warden. Yeah, <laughs> he had the script to give to, uh, to Carl maybe. Weathers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, this is pseudo Hollywood news. Uh, Iranians are outraged at the movie The 300, as in 300 Spartans, that held back the Persian, a thousand nations of the Persian Empire. (laughs) The movie is (laughs) loosely based on an actual historical event. Um, And obviously there was. Called War. Yeah. Um, but several, here's some headlines from some newspapers in Iran. One was, Hollywood declares war on Iranians. Are you translating this? Yeah, I am. It's actually, that is impressive. Yeah, it's in Arabic. Yeah, I, he's reading I have it from a, a stack. It's well, actually in Sanskrit. Yeah, I subscribe to a lot of Middle <laughs> Eastern newspapers. Yeah. Yeah, Jesse speaks Farsi. Not well, many people know that. One of them says that the movie is serving the policy of the U.S. leadership, yes. and it will prompt a wave of protests in the world. Yeah. Yes. And which I haven't seen yet. It did make $70 million in two days. Um, but, 
you know. Wait, you've seen the movie. Okay, he, yeah. Here's the deal. If Iran has someone to be mad at here, it's Greece. Because this actually happened. Like you say, loosely based, there really was a battle of Thermopylae. But there were nine where, foot people. Yeah, but I don't think that's what they're mad about. No, I think I they're well, mad about being slayed by the tens of thousands, which actually happened. But, like, I don't think you can... The people to hold responsible for that died like about you know twenty five hundred years ago. So well, the the thing is the the Persians are depicted. It's basically they're depicted like Sodom and Gomorrah. Like there are these heathen half demon people coming yes. to take over the noble Sparta. Yes, and you yeah, know, that the Spartan men slay these. So it's right. how history has been translated is what they're upset about. Yeah, yeah, evidently. By Which, the empirical uh, American agenda. There, There is a little bit of truth to that. You know, I mean, Sparta wasn't exactly like, you know, a wonderful place to live. It was pretty much a, an authoritarian government, even though they had trappings of democracy. And uh, Persia actually did, when they conquered people, let them maintain their own culture and lifestyle and government. So Persia wasn't all that bad and Sparta wasn't all that good. Yeah. But... It was a pretty cool movie. Lots <laughs> well, of jump stabs. At any rate, I thought it was a really cool movie. <laughs> Dance break. <laughs> All right, you can keep going. Okay, so... I'm going to leave this in the background, though. Sure. Did you just randomly, like, cue up the beginning of that song for that screeching voice to just come on every once in a while? <laughs> That'll um, be the new intro for the editorial question of the week. Everybody dance. Everybody answer now. Everybody answer now. Like so there's been a, a backlash uh, amongst anti-suicide groups of, it seems like this glut of advertising with suicide themes lately. And uh, recently a third commercial has been pulled um, that has been deemed offensive by anti, anti-suicide groups and suicide prevention networks. It's the Washington Mutual spot where it has all the, uh, the elderly bankers that are going to jump off the building. Thus far, they've already pulled uh, the General Motors robot spot, which we all remember from the Super Bowl. Well, they, they actually changed, changed the ending. Yeah. Um, but the uh, executive director for the American Foundation for Suicide Pr- Prevention said that they've complained about this Washington Mutual spot, and they were told late last week that the commercial would indeed be withdrawn. The interesting thing is most of these companies are kind of standing by their commercials. They're just saying, you know, oh, we pulled it because that was how long it was slated to run or, you know, so on and so forth. But, yeah, people getting very sensitive about the themes of suicide in commercials well, lately. I, when we first saw that robot commercial, if you haven't seen it, basically uh, a robot from a car factory gets really distraught when another robot is taking his job. And so he goes through all this stuff and ends up on top of a bridge about to jump off. And I was reading this And bull- then he jumped. Yeah, yeah. He, he did indeed jump. And then he, but then he wakes up. Yeah, he wakes he up and it's all a nightmare. Yeah. He's still got a job. Well, I was reading a blog. You don't wake that, up from suicide. But. Yeah, I was reading this blog that had it was like it has an interesting perspective. It was talking about how robots at these car, a lot of these car factories took real people's jobs, you know, and like the movie's making fun of. Oh, you lost your job at the car factory. Now go jump off a bridge. And it's like, wait a minute, robots really did that. Yeah, you know, to people. Well, it it is kind of a dark theme for commercials, yeah. and it seems to be showing up a lot lately. Yeah. It's a dark day we're living in. It is. It is indeed. Yeah. Um, I this is just a quick one. I just thought it was interesting that the new Harry Potter will, is breaking a record for first print for a book: twelve million copies. Wow. He's not yeah. magic. He's a witch. <laughs> He's yeah. just a very good illusionist. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, and it does all the books combined up to this point have sold 325 million copies. Wow. That's a lot of little witches running around. <laughs> um, I believe we have a correction from last week's podcast. Oh, I do need to address this because I'm afraid that Jack LaLanne will fight me. Jack <laughs> LaLanne is not the same guy as the Juice Man. I was wrong. That's another My crazy old... My caught the error. Yeah. That, that happens to be another crazy old man. <laughs> uh, his name is Jay... Uh, something with a K. Jay... Kozich. Yeah, his. You may know him. His he has the huge eyebrows, and I, I don't know how I made the mistake. Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> He's dead. Let him rest. Yeah, in peace. and no one ever accused <laughs> Captain Kangaroo of being in fantastic shape. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, as long as we're in the correction mode, uh, the the one percent bone loss per year. Yeah. Uh, it actually is that it's uh, not one percent of your bone mass every year after age twenty five. It's each year. You lose one percent of what you had the previous year. The previous year, so you know, at twenty six, you would lose one percent of what you had at twenty five. At twenty seven, mm. you lose one percent of what you had at twenty six. Exactly. Right. So, so you'll never get so, to zero bone but, mass. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. you can get into fractions of a. Yeah, percent. it's a vertical asymptote. So okay, projecting it out at age thirty five, you have about ninety percent of the bone mass you had at twenty five. At fifty, you have about seventy seven percent of the bone mass you had at twenty five. 75, you have about 60% of the bone mass you had at 25. And see, so that makes sense. At 92, prime boxing age, you're down to half of the bone mass <laughs> you had at 25. Okay. In other words, you can be broken like a balsa wood glider. Yes. Well, he, here's... here's and, and then at the age of 482, you're hmm. down to 1% of the bone mass you had in your youth. That's jelly-like. Oh, man. That'd be a bucket of grandpa. That's uh, 1%. I mean, you're toothpicking yeah. it. I mean, yeah. yeah. But by 482, they will have invented such good cybernetic parts, it won't even matter. Yeah. That is true. You just but replace them. Now, do we ever figure out, even if this is the formula that someone told us, do we ever figure out if it's true? If it's true for everyone that you start this it is irreversible true. decline in bone mass? It is but true. That's why old people shrink. It is true. It's not just osteoporosis where they have accelerated bone loss. It's why old people... Like, we'll get shorter right. in age. It's I thought that this. had to do with their back. No, it's this. You lose a percentage of your bone mass. And it's why your bones get brittle when you're old right. and you fall down and you break your hip. And it's just a simple fall. It's because your bones are getting brittle and Is, there, is it preventable? Can I drink lots yeah, of I mean, you think calcium. about people who get in shape for the first time in their life at, you know, 40, then they might, I mean... You still are going to have a little bit decreased bone mass, but right. you can have strong, smaller bones. I mean, calcium and whatever. But it is true. The person who posted the clarification was named Metroid Fan220 from Milford, Pennsylvania. And the statistics were rolled out by CareFunk. All right, so that'll do it for slices. Up next, Dan Kimball. That's uh, you're listening to Summertime Sublime featuring the Far Side. A little remix action for you. You know what? Before we get into Dan Kimball, I'm just I'm gonna play a little Peebo Bryson. I just have hey, it's my birthday podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little play a little Peebo. You can't the, stop the rain on the quiet storm. This Soft is appropriate for uh, tax season because I, I believe he uh, 
had some trouble with the IRS and pretty much lost everything he had. Pebo? Like, yeah. <laughs> Not Pebo. He had something <laughs> to lose? <laughs> yeah. What, what, surely it wasn't from music. <laughs> he had He's an amazing two, illusionist. <laughs> yeah. His, um, he had $1.2 million tax debt. And he's made one point two. He's made his, enough money uh, that his tax debt was one point two million. His Grammys and possessions and things like that were auctioned off to to pay Pee-bo. it. He's actually Pee-bo. the juice man. <laughs> he has he has a fortune in juice. <laughs> How can I go wrong? By, By not paying your taxes. <laughs> Uh, My tax Pebo, you can stop the rain. What do you think Pebo is short for? Pebo. 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 I think it's Pebo Bryson. How's so that spell? Pe- that is his Christian name. P e a b o. Pebo. Nope. Percy. Is it Peabody? What? <laughs> his middle name is Pebo. Stop. His middle name is actually Pebo. Yes. Why his birthday is April thirteenth. <laughs> the, Somebody needs to chase his clouds away. Day. Yeah. Good. How's that <laughs> yeah. for irony? It's a yeah, harsh yikes. reminder every year. <laughs> I had it all, but it's. Yeah, for him, it's like, well, Kara, time to go to jail. can stop these tears from falling. He can't face another day. My favorites were Beauty and the Beast and A Whole New World. Oh, uh, it's Celine. <laughs> they were Disney. Yuck. <laughs> My favorite is when he's not singing anything at all. All right, so, okay, well, earlier in the week, now that we've brought in some Peebo and some Sublime and Farside, which is a perfect way to introduce Dan Kimball. Dan Kimball is pastor of Vintage Faith in Santa Cruz, California, and is the author of a couple of notable books in the emerging church realm. One's called The Emerging Church, and one is called They Like Jesus But Not the Church. And uh, he was in the studio recently, and we sat down with him, and here is... An excerpt of that interview. We have Dan Kimball in the studio with us today, pastor of Vintage Faith Church in Santa Cruz, California. And uh, he's an author of a new book coming out called They Like Jesus But Not the Church on Zondervan. And actually, Dan, you have two books coming out, right? Yeah, the first is for church leaders, which is They Like Jesus But Not the Church. And then there's one that's coming out to the average person in the fall that's called I Like Jesus But Not the Church. Why are you hitting leaders first? Is there any kind of method behind the audience there? Uh, one, I'm just late on writing it and finishing it. So <laughs> okay, that's part good of reason. The reason. And the second is just that um, uh, my one of my passions right now is for church leaders to understand these questions that we must grapple with and wrestle with and address prior to just the regular folks in the church. I think hitting the leaders... It's critical because we're the ones leading the churches. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your about your background and um, you know your, your pastor and your church background, things like that. Uh, personal background or church background? Both. Both. Yeah, I grew up in uh, Soprano Land, like very seriously. My dad works in the Elks. He volunteers in the Elks Club, and they've rented that Elks Club when they do their filming. I grew up wow. smack where all of those scenes are filmed and everything. So. Had no church background for the most part, didn't know what it was or anything. And it wasn't until uh, college when I started wondering, is Christianity the American religion for Mm. white suburbanites? And I just was reading and just started reading, 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 which got me on an exploration. And then it wasn't until England when I was living there for a year playing in this band where I actually started reading the Bible and 
wondered what is faith, and uh, an 83-year-old pastor adopted me kind of under his wing and um, didn't judge me for how I looked at that time when I was totally into the punk scene and rockabilly. Was, my hair was like way, way high and shaved sides, skulls around my neck, like just the whole, but as a wonderful elderly pastor who saw past that and was really Jesus to me. And God used him to really change my life, and he was an intelligent thinker. And then when I came back to the States, I tried to fit in Christian culture and had no – this was in the uh, 80s, and I was so far removed from it, it was like wacky. I'm like, how are you ever supposed to fit in any type of church scenario, Christian culture at this time? Because I was coming in from the outside. And a lot has changed in the past 20 years with Christian culture. But – from that, just to develop the passion to talk about Jesus and be relevant, so to speak, to youth and young adults, and then starting this new church three years ago. So it's kind of been thematic, I'd say. Cool. And how'd you, how did you land in Santa Cruz? Uh, uh, the bass player in our band got a job in San Jose, and so we're like, let's all go wherever that is. And we just, <laughs> I'd never been to California before, so about six of us moved out to. Uh, San Jose, initially Santa Cruz. So just a little bit about the concept of they like Jesus but not the church. Now, I know you actually talked to a lot of people. Did you say on a college campus in Santa Cruz? Yeah, the initial start of that was hearing about this campus and saying they don't, they're so pagan up there. The university leader at the time told me all we're doing is rescuing, wandering, and scared Christians. Like, I'm like, is it really that scary up there? And we did a broader video team up there, and we asked the question of these supposedly horrible pagan students, mm-hmm. what do you think of Jesus? And they just would light up. I mean, it was like universal. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's kind of like the respect for, that you have for Gandhi or Martin Luther mm-hmm. King or someone like that. And it's like he was enlightened. He was someone that spread the message of love. All of these really wonderful comments. And then asking the same students, what do you think of Christians? And I was just like, oh, just totally opposite. They've really messed it up. They take Jesus' teachings and turn them into dogmatic rules however they want to, politically motivated. And I, and I was just haunted by this dichotomy of they like Jesus, but they certainly don't like Christians or the church. And it caused me to be first depressed, but then excited because they're open to talking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that kind of got me on this quest of, uh, which started Graceland, the young adult ministry of Santa Cruz Bible Church, and got really involved in this kind of optimistic viewpoint of focus more on Jesus, less on what church is, and see what happens. And then uh, in the book, we ended up interviewing a whole slew of people from uh, the ages of 18 through 35 or 36, primarily in their 20s, of what are their impressions of Christianity in the church and looked for patterns. You know, what are the common things they're each saying? What what prevents them? How are we known? And that's kind of how that came about. Um, a lot of the people you talk to, uh, do you maintain contact with them after? Totally. I mean, most of them, I realized for me, when I started asking the question of, of them, like, what's your opinions of the church? And mainly, this one girl told me, pastors are creepy. And I can mm-hmm. remember, like, why do you say that? And she's like, well, you see them on TV, you see them here. I'm like, do you know any pastors? And she's like, no. 
But here you had like a 22-year-old saying pastors are creepy based on non-personal experience with it. And I started seeing patterns that so much of the impressions of the church and Christianity were primarily through not personal contact with a Christian or a church. It was through the ones they see on the street, the ones that hand out tracks more of aggressively or outside of concerts holding up protest signs or you watch the television and they're talking about politics and the church. And so these impressions were based primarily on non-personal experiences, but kind of stereotypes, understandably so. And from that, I just started befriending. I had to then realize most of them aren't coming in contact with pastors. But then it got worse because then I started looking at young adults. Who are you hanging out with that's not a Christian? Hmm. And almost to a T, like, what do you do Friday night? Hung out with our Christian friends. What do you do Saturday night? Went to a David Crowder concert. Mm-hmm. What do you do Sunday? Hung out at church. What about Sunday night after? Hung out with my Christian friends at church. What about Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday? Hanging out with my friends. You know, like, I started realizing that, and we propagated so much community, like, let's be community, which we totally need, but then I'm starting to just ask, all right, when's the last time you went out Friday night with the person in the cubicle next to you at work? Mm-hmm. And like, I don't. You know, like, how come? They're like, well, we're wanna, I want to meet with my Christian friends and build community, mm-hmm. and started seeing this, like, oh boy, and I'm the one scheduling all these activities, and... And I think we took community so far that Hmm. we then started separating ourselves so much from people. And then when I'm asking them, do they ever talk about their faith? So much of it was no, because they were scared to, because they're afraid they're going to be having bad opinions of Christians and they don't necessarily want to be more vocal. And I realized, I think, from my experience, and I can't say it's nationally, but I've been enough places and see it, is that we've created this sort of subculture so strong that the people that we're interviewing aren't meeting actual Christians to have their stereotype broken. Hmm. And so that is what I've been discovering, especially with young adults, that we're so with each other or so they're so with each other all the time that they're not developing relationships outside of the church. I had to start doing that as the leader hmm. and began forcibly escaping from the church office to do so two days a week any opportunity and really um, had to make effort to. I felt like I was tunneling out of the prison of the church office and tunneling out of the Christian subculture, a bubble that I put myself in to say, why spend all day locked up in your office preparing a sermon? Why not do it in a coffee house and become friends with the baristas? And so I do, I've developed friendships and continue. They're not just targets, so to speak. Has that changed or affected your faith in any way? No, I shouldn't. If we have faith, we should not be afraid of being challenged in any way or not being secure in that way. I like it so much because it raises questions that may come up that you have to wrestle with. Right. Yeah. And that's, I shouldn't be afraid to have to wrestle with those Mm -hmm. questions. That's what I mean. Like so often we surround ourselves with people who reinforce, we read things that reinforce what we already believe. Totally. And then then I don't even think most people are aware of it. Mm -hmm. You know, a couple weeks ago, actually about two months ago, I was in Austin and the girl who used to cut my hair is um, moved to Austin. So she's been over her house for dinner. Uh, she cut her daughter's hair for the first time when, when they got their first haircuts. Developed a really good relationship with her in Austin. I'm like, hey, do you want to meet up? She's like, yeah, my roommate's in this band. Well, why don't we go out and see the band? And I'm like, sure. 
turns out the roommate is in a band called Satan's Cheerleaders. <laughs> wow. So I'm out speaking at the Youth Specialties Convention <laughs> there, and I'm like, all right, Satan's Cheerleaders. <laughs> so meet her, meet her in the bar, right, this bar and her friend. And Satan's Cheerleaders, um, I can show you a photo on my cell phone. They're an all-girl group. They wear 666, big across wow. their, their uniform. They're like kind of in cheerleader uniforms, and they're kind of this campy sort of thing, and they dance with another band that's playing this kind of rockabilly, psychobilly band. And I remember I'm in this bar, then all of a sudden the lizard man walks up. Uh, have you ever heard of the oh lizard man? Goodness, the actual lizard man. The lizard man, who's got, he's totally tattooed, yeah. the ridges implanted, and his tongue is split. And he's yeah. got his, I'm like, the lizard man. And, uh, <laughs> and he's married to one of Satan's cheerleaders. Well, please right? tell me you got a picture of him on your cell phone. No, well, I'm sitting there in this bar, right? And while these specialties conventions going on at night, and I'm, I'm like, this would be a great photo. I'm surrounded by six Satan's cheerleaders <laughs> talking to the lizard man, you know, in a bar. And then the funny part was we went from the bar to where they were playing, actually. And so I'm walking down the street, and I'm one of the speakers at the convention with 666 cheerleaders all around as we're walking down the street. And there's youth workers, like, looking at me, like, what are you doing? <laughs> but I'm having conversations with them and asking them, what does 666 mean? And uh, just things like that that forces me to remember this is what the world is. They're not all Satan's cheerleaders, but... Mm-hmm. We can't forget that. We got to listen to these questions and stuff. So. so you just kind of say, you know, we as individual Christians need to be more intentional about our relationships and who we're pursuing to hang out with and places that we go and things that we do. I, absolutely. Like, I'm not someone that feels you need to draw a little bridge diagram and <laughs> make it awkward. Maybe that'll come to a point. But I'm just saying, who's in the cubicle next to you to just go to the movies with them mm-hmm. uh, on Friday night? And I have traced, like in our church and in the young adult ministry with Graceland as part of, how a lot of people came to faith. And most of it was in the context of tr- building trust with the smaller community of other young adults that they're hanging out with and then saying, maybe they're not what I think they are. Then eventually they might come to the worship meeting. But mm-hmm. so much of it was the relationships, but not anything goofy, just hanging out. So what's the, uh, like the primary advice to leaders in uh, They Like Jesus But Not the Church? Is it basically like a message of understanding? Or? It's, well, part of it to church leaders is, uh, you know, you got to look to see if you're in the Christian subculture and take a really hard look at how you spend your time, how you think. Are you thinking, um, have you been so engulfed in the church world that you can't think like someone outside the church does anymore? And so you're propagating the same images without realizing it. Um, It is, are you prepared to address and make changes in your church and in your leaders to the issues of, are Christians in the church judgmental and negative um, people? Are we right-wing uh, you have to be a right-wing conservative politically to be a Christian. Are you homophobic? Do you arrogantly think all other religions are wrong but you? Um, are you all fundamentalist? Do you take the Bible all literally? Like These were sort of the common things that we're getting asked. I think church leaders need to be able to answer those and see what are they doing in their churches to prepare Christians to be able to answer these things because mm-hmm. they'll eventually come up. Now the the second book, I like Jesus, but not the church. Yes, is it targeted more towards the kind of people that you talk to? Yeah, the I like Jesus, but not the church book is for Satan's cheerleaders, saying <laughs> like, 
uh, you know what? Because I'm a pastor, and if you trust something, I know what kind of Christian, and you might have these impressions. Here's some ways of looking at: Are we homophobic? All the things that you might be embarrassed or questioning about is for them to read something that doesn't say in the first chapter, like many apologetics books do. Their their eyes are blind by you know blinded by Satan, right. which can be true, but you don't put that in a book that you want to give to somebody. <laughs> and I read that in the opening of one. Like, how can I give this to somebody? Uh, so, and it's for just Christians who are looking, how do I answer the question about homosexuality or maybe ideas of how to answer it in context of the Bible and these verses and things like that, that the very questions that they were asking. Well, thanks for joining us, Dan. And listeners can be on the lookout for his book coming out this fall, or if you're a leader, his book coming out this spring. Thanks so much, Dan. Thank you. If you don't know who that is, I don't. You don't deserve to know. No, I, how do you not know this? No, Bob Marley and the Whalers. Self legend, live performance of "No Woman, No Cry." So, good stuff. I really got into the Marley. I did go to Jamaica on my honeymoon. He is huge down there. <laughs> really? Well, that's shocking. <laughs> It's true. They, I mean, he's <laughs> like going to is it? It's like going to Sweden and say ABBA is huge over there. Yeah. You wouldn't <laughs> believe it. Of course, ABBA is huge. Over there. Yeah. And meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> the Swedes love their meatballs. Yeah, they also like the uh, the movie Meatballs with Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't though? What nation doesn't? <laughs> All right. So last week, what was the question we asked? Human human games. games. Oh right. We wanted to know human games. You didn't disappoint, you know, with the, uh, when we asked a serious question, we got a, a good handful of uh, feedback. Very, very good stuff. We asked this, and it absolutely flooded in. This is chill. I almost right. named my child Marley. <laughs> Did you really? Sure. Did you? Yeah. Be cool. For Marley Madden? Hmm? Marley's cool. Well, it says yours, but. Yeah, we're thinking maybe a follow-up child. Because, you know, the older child is always a little more, you know, has leadership qualities, a little more serious. Mm-hmm. Usually the younger kids are a little more wacky. Yeah. I'm the Just second child. Your brother. It's true. Yeah. See, you would be a, a Madeline and Chandler would be a Marley. It's true. So I'm you're basically relegating your Jesse, second child to a life of older child? artistic yeah. frivolity. Yeah. Wow. And lots of What does that Bob say about me? Don't want this is uh, the Mar- March Madness theme song. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Except the the answer to that in this question would be, what made you think I was offering it? <laughs> oh man! Ouch! Lord, that was mean. I know. All right. Well, I have one from Alexis, Alexis Ellis, whose game is human train car hopping. Now, first, uh, you may be wondering where the human element that. where the human element comes in because at first it involves 
uh, a person driving a car off the roof of the new office because there is a pretty sweet ramp. And you feasibly, could, you could catch air and catch air enough to jump over the train. You can, maybe a dirt bike. Yeah, you could. And we have a dirt bike here. What's well, Jeremy's? Yeah. It's not ours. You need but, a rocket bike. Yeah, but the human element because you might say, well, that's Look not technically a human line. gain. Is a <laughs> person all the way to the lake? That's true. Oh, it um, actually could. That'd be amazing. It'd freak motorists out of Roman Avenue. Someone just... (laughs) (laughs) But someone has to, out of the moving car, jump right at the pinnacle of the leap over the train, jump out of the car, and land on the moving train. Mm. Hmm. And how do you score this game? What's the objective? Uh, The survivors. It's actually... She has it on a broken bone scale. Oh. That's smart. the, the, The fewer broker... Bo- broken bones the, the more points you get yeah no one's ever scored a perfect score <laughs> obviously I've, I've been over at the new office every day working building walls doing some stuff and uh, last night a bunch of people came over and experienced the train for the first time Kara and it's true and Adam got so excited it was a very long train that he wanted he was desperately trying to find something to throw under it <laughs> so he found a large stick in the first pass at the stick the stick went just under the train no No, nothing shattered that was pretty good though so then he found another stick which landed right on the track and shattered all over it It absolutely exploded and and we thought he's gonna derail the train (laughs) yeah seriously there's a major accident today the thing is you got dangerously close oh yeah and the moment like as i was walking up there with that stick i was thinking there is at least a 75% chance that a piece of wood is going to fly and hit me from this <laughs> and severely eyeball. injure me. See, I, w- yeah, I was looking... But I'm going to do it anyway. I was looking out for like a like a random sign or something that was going to be hanging off the side of the train. <laughs> like a handle, <laughs> yeah. a handle or something just coming so, along. And just lock. You got pretty close then. He, yeah, he well, I mean, you have to. Two or three feet. But I, I've become very comfortable with trains since they run by my house all the time. And I, I have, in addition to hopping trains, I've gone up and like touched them, you know, as they're going by. So but this one was booking it though. Yeah. You couldn't have oh yeah. This. No. And I, I constantly throw, try and throw things under tracks. So How I've, fast do you think that was gone? Forty-five. I say faster. Oh, I don't know. I mean, the speed. Of Forty-five light. is really fast, <laughs> but they're deceptively. I, fast. It was going something like two hundred and thirty miles per hour. Yeah, it was monorail speed. It was a bullet train. Yeah. Um, we but, our offices are in Tokyo. Yeah, I, I can assure you that I will be throwing all manner of things under the tracks. The problem is, let's hope no cops are listening. Yeah, more often than not, honestly, it will. You don't get the the throw right, and it will sail like completely harmlessly under the train and not get hit by anything. That's been my experience more often. See, than not. I, I want to see a melon. Of any kind. I did Water, an ice cream cantaloupe. cake. I did an ice cream cake one time. Fudgy the whale ice cream cake from Carvel. And that Nick was Carvel. Smashed now. It doesn't matter. But Chandler had been putting coins on the track all day and was finding them. Oh, he did. Because they end up 20, oh, 30 yeah. feet away. Oh, yeah. But you have to, you you have found to look several. around. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going to have to issue a staff, like official in writing staff thing to say, listen, if you walk out to the train, you are off of our property. It is not, there is nothing work related from having you go out there and I have nothing to do with it. Even if I'm staying there cheering and <laughs> you cannot sue us. You, and he did. I can say he yeah. cheered. He jumped up and down, waving his arms and cheering <laughs> when that stick exploded. Yeah. As I f- went by on the tether rope or whatever. <laughs> As he rope. flew by on the zip line. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <Woo! laughs> 
I would like to see a Carvel cake put on the tracks, and then I just stand there with my mouth open. <laughs> and hope, so. hope you get some of it. It'll have a slightly like ashy, carbony okay. taste. Uh, of course, you could just eat the cake, oh. but yeah, that's not satisfying. That? Yeah. So you, you have to work for it twenty feet away and hope it lands in your mouth. <laughs> I tried chocolate milk one time. I had a. a jug of chocolate milk, I have but that was one of those that sailed. I have a feeling there's going to be a new section on the website. Yeah. <laughs> pictures of things on the train, yeah. and then pictures of them getting hit, getting. and pictures after yeah. they were See, hit. I wonder, I, it is really satisfying, I have to tell you. I we have want, to make sure we don't leave food out there, because then animals would crawl on the tracks. Okay, um, Jacob Knuckles, who you may remember as Sonic the Hedgehog's uh, teammate in Sonic 2. Knuckles, yes. Um, he uh, suggests tetherball. He says... Uh, Consider with me the ramifications in this new sport. Not only does the ball have to be human, but also the rope. How this works, <laughs> I haven't figured out. You know how best to attach the feet but to the teeth pole. Are involved. The arms to the pole. <laughs> yeah, probably. Ooh, if the pole is human too, that adds a new element. Well, you've but seen the, the pole has to be like Xerxes. Has to be like nine feet tall. But you've seen the the you've seen at the circus the people who hold on to stuff with their, with teeth. their teeth exactly so that's the rope yeah and then the ball um, holds on to the feet you see a trapeze well, I, artist i'm guessing yeah. he's he's thinking celebrities would be the best for this because he says <laughs> little johnny goes outside to play tetherball against his best friend frankie and out on the playground is their newly installed tetherball court complete with toughest nails rope sylvester stallone and ever so bouncy cameron diaz ball so this could actually go a lot of Really disturbing places. <laughs> yeah. Don Miller's not on this podcast. Oh. This, is, this could be very, Let's. Uh, how about we replace Cameron Diaz with um, Mark Paul Gossler? So we're going to say Sylvester Stallone for a rope and Mark Paul Gossler as the the ball. Yeah, and but if the rope is heavier than the ball, it's not going to go right. Hmm. Well, well, maybe if some he wasn't taking out. drugs, it wouldn't be heavier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Christian now. He got busted this week. Yeah. yeah what? But, uh, for, yeah. No, no, no. See for what HGH. I've for HGH. At the office, I haven't been up on yeah. the news. It's, it, I guess it's, is it legal in it the was, states? I, I, it was a couple weeks it, ago. It may be legal in the states. He said, he's like, you know. It's a performance it, enhancing drug. Yeah. He said, it's totally my fault. I didn't understand the, the rules or the laws in Australia. Didn't. You know, I didn't look close enough at what I could or couldn't bring out of the country, in and out of the country. So, totally my bad. You know. It, yeah, he it handled it really here? well. Yeah. Like, He's like, I couldn't read. Sorry. They, he and his entourage, I guess, were busted with 48 vials of this of HGH. illegal substance. Um, I'm not country. sure. I'm not sure if it's legal here or not. But, um, I mean, he certainly he certainly wasn't apologizing for having it or using right. it. Right. It was more he like... He says it's not dangerous. Yeah. Well, you know, there's all different studies on, you know, there are a lot of doctors who would probably agree with him. But um, the long and the short of it is that it wasn't legal there. And so he got in some trouble. It all got seized. But he did, you know, he was pretty classy in handling it, mm-hmm. just saying, you know, it's totally my fault. I accept responsibility. I just didn't know. No yeah. smoothies for him. Nope. Yeah. Just getting pummeled by playground children. Mary Carter has, yes, uh, actually three in one email. And they're all not too bad. Uh, first is fairly simple. I, I imagine anyone can play the human ring toss, which you have a hula hoop. And people that stand around 15 feet apart and you toss the hula hoop. She said it's way hard. And she's actually played all of these. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So she, I've we, seen the human ring toss. Yeah, it's way harder than it sounds. The human, human shooting gallery. Now, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, gosh. Wait here. I know. I had the same thought. But it actually involves the rolling logs in the water. 
and you have people stand on them, like maybe you've seen on the Outdoor Challenge uh-huh. on ESPN, on the Ocho, on ESPN 8, <laughs> um, and you throw dodgeballs and try to knock them off of the log into the water. Well, the one problem with that is how many people in the world can do that log rolling thing, so I don't think it's going <laughs> to take a dodgeball to knock them off. Right. Yeah, she said, well, it's a little, do it. a little easy. That's why she gave options mm-hmm. for human shooting gallery, too which has three people hanging from monkey bars, either straight for beginners or curved for the more advanced players. <laughs> and you have... I like that. And you get to throw balls at them and try to knock them off. Now, imagine you have to aim at their fingers, though. Well, you I know? bet you could wing, <laughs> wing one at someone's face, and they would probably immediately just go into defensive mode and try and yeah, block it. Yeah, it's and true. Off. That's good. I like that. Yeah. How much self-control do you have not to pull your hands up? Whoa! Yeah, seriously, off. just to take one full in the face. <laughs> I do have to say, human ring toss would be even better if not only the like the target was a human, but the ring was a human. Well, what if well. human ring? What two if, humans? What if it was human ring toss of fire? <laughs> and you lit the four <laughs> hoops humans on fire. On fire? Oh. <laughs> uh, well, I well, potentially. <laughs> yeah. If you miss, if you're going to have to. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the game's exciting, not boring. <laughs> For everyone involved, there's a lot of uh, quiet weeping. Yeah, and gnashing of teeth, <laughs> wailing. Uh, Brad Wingler, is a, there's a short one here. Brad Wingler and Chip Bennett were too lazy to type it out, and so they just sent in an email. Is that the one you have? Mm-mm. Oh, they just sent back their back and forth email correspondence trying to figure out a game. So the the summation is that it involves bungees, a big canyon, and Gary Busey. I like it. And it's called Gary Busey's Bungie Canyon Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> no one even needs to know the rules. It's just, are, they you, didn't go into it. If you guys, have, they don't great. follow through. It doesn't Look, matter. If they you came got up with a, a name bungee cord, the elements. Yeah, if you got a bungee cord, a canyon, and Busey, you've got yourself a good time. I, I think the point of the game is more, is more of an observation game. <laughs> like you, just, you just say, hey, Gary Busey, and you, you take him and you take him to a canyon and give him a bungee cord and just see what happens. Yeah, see so, what he does. Brad says to Chip, he says, actually, you come up with it and I'll email it two chances to get on there. And then and then Chip says, you come up with it. Why do I always have to carry your worthless Aww. self on my back all the time? And then, and then Brad wrote back and says, because I have a real job, Chip Bennett then wrote back and says, please don't get me started. So I think it's similar to Kitty Canyon. I don't know what that means. A lot of things are coming out here. Yeah. Between, things are rocky right now between Brad and Chip. <laughs> and then Brad writes, I think we set up like the four-wheeler bungee, except you use Gary Busey as a dart, and he's screaming Buseyisms the whole way. <laughs> and then I, they just I lost exactly, interest and sent us the yeah, email. I know exactly what they're talking about. Yeah, the, yeah, the we put it in video, slice video slices. Yeah. The, the four-wheeler bungee. And yeah. imagine Busey on the back of a four-wheeler, not even knowing they had a bungee cord attached to him. You get to a certain point, just it just yanks him off <laughs> and shoots him across the canyon. <laughs> he's he's going on and on about how he's actually an Egyptian king born thousands of years ago, and next thing you know, he's flipping through the air screaming. <laughs> Madison Murphy suggests human Jenga, truth or dare version. Ooh. First stack about 50 or so people on top of each other, alternating the pattern, of course. Hold on. <laughs> Anything that starts with stacking 50 or so people on or top so. of each other. <laughs> and I would I like, like to point out that the bottom people, by the time you get the stack built, are indeed dead. Yeah. Is it Sign like, me up. Is yeah. it, 
<laughs> See, again, I envision this as like a massive chicken fight. Like, <laughs> it's like your 300 movie, The Human Wall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, was, that was a little bit of human Jenga. Yeah. Okay, then several other people not trapped in the tower take turns pulling one person out. The person that has been pulled out must then ask a truth or dare question. If the contestant does not compete, the dare refuses to tell the truth. He or she must squeeze back into the tower where Ooh. their peace slash human once wow. was Gary Busey is the referee but not of course. but not a very yeah. good one at that he cannot yeah. resist the temptation to dive into the human Jenga tower <laughs> and he can't read resulting in multiple injuries for all the players <laughs> he can't and, read the large sign that and, says do not jump into right. the tower and he's and, not really paying attention either yeah. and his truth or dare questions are always very very bizarre and the dares are often implausible <laughs> <laughs> jump over the sun do it now <laughs> back in the pile you <laughs> Just what like, if somebody else? Yeah, 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 it was Harry Carey. Hi, <laughs> hi, jump over the sun. His, his truth or dare. Back in the pile. Yeah, his truth or dares is just him yelling at people <laughs> <laughs> and challenging them to knife fights and stuff. What if somebody on top has to go to the bathroom? Oh, jeez. This hey, game. That's the danger. Or the yeah, risk you run playing human jingle. It's dangerous. It's unsanitary. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Some people die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A lot of a lot of very disturbing truths get exposed. <laughs> very juicy bears people's souls. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, th- <laughs> with this week's editorial question of the week. Editorial question of the week. Hey. What's your favorite song of all time? And why? Tell us the memory that surrounds it. Ooh. Envelops it. Wow. Like a warm breeze. <laughs> <laughs> or a warm blanket of yeah, cheese. Yeah, I was thinking warm blanket. <laughs> yeah. Of oh, yeah. cheese. <laughs> uh, of cheese. Or a warm bun around a hot dog. <laughs> With melted cheese. Mm. <laughs> cheese is... Cheese, cheese has Definitely. to be in this yeah. equation. Yeah. 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 Even if it's just a warm breeze, cheese is somewhere Yeah, in there. you're eating like a cheese stick or, so, or a craft single or something. Yeah. In the warm breeze <laughs> of the summertime. <laughs> Something cools so, you down like a craft single. <laughs> this back. week's podcast yeah. is brought to you yeah. by... No, yeah, nothing's more refreshing than peeling back the plastic on a craft single. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's you what's fresh. Like. Like, yeah. Nice hot day. There's nothing I want more than a block of Velveeta. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and a brick of cheese. And that processed cheese, that's good for like a year or more. Mm-hmm. Is it really? Yeah. I yeah. love craft singles. I, I Wait, mean, they're talking about Velveeta, or are you talking about craft singles? And it, well, well, they're both they're processed. Both processed. Well, um, in relevant updates, we are not going to do a podcast next week. So I'm just going to tell you now, rip off the Band-Aid fast. <laughs> You've uh, got this one to tide you over. <laughs> there's no podcast because um, the days we record it and edit and do the post-production on the podcast are the days we're actually moving offices. So uh, there will be absolutely no way for us to pull it off. And then the next podcast will be from the new place, the new studio. So it may sound very different. Mm. The walls are mm. angled differently in you that might even studio. Hear a train. Yeah, our Maybe. voices may be changed. We may have like accents of it, some kind. We may have four new people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we don't even know. We may be like we may you know be like the sister on Roseanne and just swap people out and keep the same <laughs> oh, yeah. names. And they tell it, you know, I'm quite obviously like you know. A, a Hispanic woman now, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. And Adam Smith, mm-hmm. Senora Adams. <laughs> that happened on Boy Meets World, where it was like two different sisters, and then she was just gone. <laughs> like they just didn't make reference to her anymore. 
Is it, the, the you notice the gone. first episode of King of Queens, Carrie's sister is a very prominent character, and she never reappeared. Mm, really, she must um, not have tested well. But. There was a uh, yeah, there was an additional sister mm. on Family Matters too that they just got rid of. Yeah. No, that was Urkel. He was <laughs> Oh, okay. Stefan. Yeah, Stefan Urkel. <laughs> um, well, originally in Arrested Development, um, George Bluth Sr. was only going to be on the pilot, but mm-hmm. he tested so well that they wrote his character yeah. into, as a main character. Now, you know what's so funny to me? If you watch Gilmore Girls, it um, the, at the end of the opening credits where they do all the you know the cast, whatever, it always ends with in a special appearance by Ed whatever the dad the Gilmore Girls dad but the mom and everybody else is just normal cast listing I think it had to have been in his contract like he's like a real actor and he didn't want to be on a show so he's a special appearance by but he's in every episode from now on I would like when we're introducing everyone you say a special appearance by Adam (laughs) I'm a big I'm a big 24 fan and a lot of times in the beginning credits you'll see a name come up that isn't you know all the actors and you're like wait a minute he comes on this episode great so it's almost like a mini spoiler so and you know who's gonna die right you know yeah I mean if you don't see it it's like what the Gary Busey And one season, I knew and a Billy character. Yeah, I knew a character wasn't. B- Billy gonna- didn't make the podcast, you know, except so- for Jesse at the end. Yeah. What's so funny about last week's podcast is there was a good twenty-minute segment of Billy Crystal. We should edit that into this week. It's gone, deleted. Oh, it's gone, man. and and it's completely removed. And I did an incredible job of removing every reference to Billy Crystal. And wow. then at the very end, when I'm like, oh, no, I'm Cameron Strang, I'm Kara Davis, you say I'm Billy Crystal, <laughs> yeah. I'm Adam Smith, and there was nothing else I could do. Yeah, there's, there's no context for I couldn't that's splice I your name it. you were but gone that's great though yeah it is the most random <laughs> I don't know if anybody caught it oh I'm sure they really crystal yeah there's from n- now on one of us should just name some completely off the James wall Lipton. name James Lipton yeah, yeah. I, I would like to see Billy Crystal on James Lipton whoa <laughs> 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 they can't. They game. can't do that on basic cable. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, just, but talking out loud. Billy here. Crystal made your <laughs> dreaming out loud. Didn't Billy Crystal make your uh, your dead to me wall? No, because I, I like he Billy Crystal. That's I right. just want to know he where he went. My Billy. He yeah. made my your dead to me wall. I really? Billy Crystal oh, is man, hilarious. Like Billy Crystal, except for but the fact that he's. You were saying anything. he chooses not to, right? That's right. Because he's raking in a billion. I think and a half he's so well set and so confident in his career. He didn't need to take uh, roles like anymore. Murray. Yeah, right. I heard. I heard. Forget Paris is like huge in Japan. So he's just <laughs> raking in like residuals from that. <laughs> it's that, on Lifetime. That quite and a my bit. giant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my giant was a breakout international hit. <laughs> Speaking of the "You're Dead to Me" wall, uh, we mentioned the Facebook group about the relevant podcast listeners last week, and apparently it went from like twenty five to three hundred people in a week. So that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And now there's a Keep spinoff. Joining. There's a spinoff group called the You're Dead to Me Wall. Yeah. And it's, it's a listing of all the You're Dead yeah. to Me's. The way the You're Dead to Me Wall works is that you nominate someone and they have to be seconded by someone in the group. And then if they've been nominated and seconded, they uh, get their picture on the You're Dead to Me Wall. Hmm. And so far it's got people like uh, Jim Brewer is there, uh, Tim Allen is there, Gary Busey and Nick Nolte. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, they had Nick Nolte. Nick up. Nolte did nothing wrong except for appearing in Blue Chips. Yeah. Except well, for looking the, like. And the DUI, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, what that's what it, it had a picture. Oh, I thought that no. the DUI was Gary Busey. That's, that's right. What, yeah, right. and I uh, I actually wrote Elliot. Gary when is the upstanding citizen. He had the uh, the picture well, of Nick Nolte up there. He has there. a hard time upstanding. He, but, uh, he wobbles quite a bit. But he had the picture of Nick Nolte. So he had it labeled as Gary Busey. And I emailed him to let him know, like, I, it's a common mistake because, you know, a frazzled three-day bender, like, <laughs> sick to his stomach, Nick Nolte looks like a very well-dressed, dolled-up Gary Busey. Yeah. <laughs> He's going out for the evening. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but He's I, like, I, say, town, yeah. I say leave it. He's going know? to an award show. Um, he doesn't know how you're supposed yeah. to dress. Bob Saget has made the year dead to me while Dave Coulier, the whole cast of Saved by the Bell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, it sparked some fierce debate, too, because people, there's some yeah, people... why was Snoopy on there? I don't know, but he got nominated, he got seconded, there's no way you can keep him out. That's true. You know? Wait, so if there are hundreds of people, only two can get him on your, the, hey. your Dead to Me wall? I think that's a little... Uh, well, you know, maybe Elliot needs to tweak it a bit as the group grows. I but. think it should be a 10% mm-hmm. of the group has to, has to second the nomination. A 10% vote puts you on the You're Dead to Me wall. Wow. And a majority vote can take him down off the You're Dead wow. to Me wall. Well, Snoopy like is that. a little can depressing. Be <laughs> no, it's not very exciting. It's a little wah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe he is dead to me. I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. Yeah. I I haven't really developed a real strong reaction one way or the other to Snoopy, but him being dead to me doesn't really sadden me. All right. Well, we actually need to wrap this one up. Um, all right. So that'll do it for this week's podcast. And uh, make sure to wish us well. Pray for us next week while we're moving that nobody gets hit by a train. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is shattered and stuck into the face of anybody <laughs> by the train. Yeah. Okay. And and that nothing is dropped on toes. Did, did I tell you my brother got trapped yesterday? Trapped. Mm-hmm. We were doing demo, and uh, he was he was done, and I was up in the front of the building. I was supposed to have left. I was it was he and I were the last ones, and he was wrapping up some demo, and I and I had left, but I hadn't left because I was trying to make a phone call in the lobby, and I was trying to get through, trying to get through. So I was there for a couple minutes, and I heard doom, doom, doom. You know, he was back there beating on stuff, and then um, to get out it was like he died. well, it was like quiet, and it was like quiet for a couple minutes, and I thought he was done, and he was packing up or whatever, and then as I'm finishing my phone call, I hear oh. <laughs> this like painful frustrated earth shattering wail and i like ran back there and i'm like what what he goes you're still here and i was like yeah and, and i went crying? in there no 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 he went, he went you know he's and, he's like 19 he's not no he's not nine he's, yeah. and and he had I, mean, I think of him that way too this desk thing that was like about 10 foot long desk that he was knocking down he had knocked the supports out from underneath it and he was standing alongside it and kind of straddling it and whatever and he knocked the desk down and it came down and slammed down on his ankle and wedged his ankle against the wall right Mm. and he couldn't and apparently that's when he stopped making noise and every time he tried to lift or raise this 150 pound thing it actually wedged in tighter and he couldn't move and so he finally just started screaming he thought it was empty he thought the building was empty he started screaming so I went back in there and I helped him lift it off or whatever I was like dude that would have been like Pirates of the Caribbean. We show up and there's like a skeleton of you, like with your foot tracked. You know? 
<laughs> yeah, when when Cameron walked back there, Chandler was actually starting to cut his own foot off. <laughs> yeah, like that he was in the process. Yeah. That's why he was screaming. Yeah. But he was very glad I was there. It, and, like, and Chandler, you haven't even broken the skin yet. <laughs> the lesson to be learned is I told him not to demo that desk. He was demoing something <laughs> that was not supposed to be removed. Yeah, and it came back to haunt. Him. Well, trust me, that that lesson would learned. be a very long night. I know from experience. <laughs> the last demo project. You you, know. tra- you got trapped. No, I'm just. It could happen. <laughs> <laughs> he imagined. Yeah. That's the worst what it would story have been like. ever. See, I thought you were going to go into it, some great yeah. spin, some great yarn. <laughs> and just make something up. Like I was trapped in this uh, haunted cave. <laughs> That was a with, movie that you're trying to demo yeah. with treasure. You're trying to demolish the cave. It's <laughs> pretty awesome. That's your first spelunkering. So yeah, <laughs> so I non- was demoing a cave for no reason. It wasn't even my property. So you're not in <laughs> mining for no. yeah. I can't stand holes. I in saw the ground. Old cave. I was these, like, that'd be fun to break. And there were these cave creatures that lived in the shadows. <laughs> Jesse's like, that's not funny. In the mountains of North Carolina. Yeah. That scariest movie ever. Yeah, let's make fun of that. <laughs> so that'll wrap the birthday edition of the Relevant Podcast. And uh, make sure to join us in two weeks. And in the meantime, visit the message boards, the podcast fodder section. Um, check out relevantmagazine.com. The new issue is up. You can flip through it. And check out the, I, I think it's the last week of the huge blowout sale at relevantstore.com. So make sure to uh, avail yourself of $5 book prices. So, Okay, well, I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Kara Davis. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Adam Smith. Podcast. Anytime, anywhere.